welcome to 2021. This is the first episode of Geek Bites of the new year. Uh, quite fitting, really. I guess you might say we've jumped into the future. And uh, that's kind of what happened in the latest season of the show we're here to discuss, Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery. Um, now, whether that was a good thing or not, whether we should try and go back to the future or back to the past, let's uh, find out. I'm Rich, and I was joined, as always, by Stu, who no doubt has some strong opinions on this. How's it going, Stu? Yeah, it's, it's good to see you, Rich. I mean, uh, you know, it usually would sort of make a joke about me being your number one, uh, but I think <laughs> that's been devalued since Discovery Season 3, so, I mean, I'm, we'll come to that shortly. Um, yeah, I yeah, don't think number one really means anything anymore, does it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so number well. one's basically equivalent to number two now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, sorry, it had to be done. But, no, it's, it's good to be back. And, you know, Discovery jumped into a dystopian future where people can't sort of reach out and see people at great distances and stuff because of the lack of dilithium. Uh, and in a way, it kind of reflects the fact that none of us can see anyone. We can't travel anywhere. We can't do bugger all. So it's kind of a nice um, a nice way of reflecting on, on the current year we're facing. Um, but, yeah, was it a nice... Was, was it good reflection? Star Trek's always been good at dealing with social issues, hasn't it? So maybe this was their way of doing it, or maybe we're giving them a bit too much credit there. I don't yeah. know. I think when was, was, uh, this was, must have been filmed like sometime before the pandemic, mustn't it? So I think it was planned and almost in the can before the, the pandemic finished. I think they might have finished shooting it and then they had to do the visual effects in the pandemic. Right. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. It's, I think the Mandalorian managed to keep going during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, uh, but they seem to be gearing up for the next season, I suppose. So it looks like they've figured out a way to get them done. I suppose with the Mandalorian, it's easier because they're in that sort of, you know, that one room 3D world set thing. You know, as long as people in there are COVID safe, you know, been tested and they're safe, you should be all right. Um, yeah, and Mandalorian's got a relatively limited cast, hasn't it, compared to um, Star Trek. <laughs> Discovery, which we'll come on to that as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Extremely well, strenuous <laughs> characters. <laughs> uh, like vestigial um, appendages or whatever, like a bloody <laughs> appendix. Um, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I guess let's get right into it. Have you got a uh, one-sentence review for us? Um, I mean, do you want to hit me with yours first and I'll do mine because mine's um, you know, my typical kind of tongue-in-cheek thing. <laughs> OK, cool. So my one sentence view started strong, but then like most time travel shows, it all falls apart a little bit in the end. It's nothing to do with the actual time travel element. It's just some dodgy, woolly writing and plotting. Wow. I mean, it, I mean that pretty much sums it up. I think, that, you know, the time travel thing had lots of potential and... You know, some bets were paying off, but then, like you say, the, the writing just didn't do it justice and the thinking behind the season didn't do it justice. So, uh, yeah, I totally get behind what you're saying there. I mean, Marlon takes more of a meta view of Discovery as a whole. Um, <laughs> so this is boldly going up Burnham's <laughs> every single episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even the ones she's not even in. She yeah. manages to find a way to save them, doesn't she? Like, yeah, like, I think the second episode of this season where it's just everyone but Burnham and you're like, thank God, all they can talk about is we've got to find Michael. Oh, where's Michael? We've got to save Michael. Have you heard from Michael yet? It's like, for God's sake, you know, everything is about Michael. You know, they've been waiting 300 years for Michael to solve what happened with the burn. Um, yeah, anyway. even, even her name 
yeah, I, I thought they were even going. Someone was going to make some sort of. Uh, it was all going to be down to her or something. The fact they called it the burn was to do with the fact she was burning and she caused it and she solved it as well or something. But yeah, no. that, that's some sort of paradox, isn't it? Sort of. Um, yeah. <laughs> Doc Brown warns you about that. I mean, uh, yeah. To be fair, having seen what caused to burn, I would have preferred it was Michael. Um, <laughs> but I suppose we'll come to that as well. <laughs> There's lots of stuff yeah. I'm going to come to. Um, but yeah, so, I think... overall, yeah, overall impressions. So what are we thinking overall? I mean, we've kind of it's kind of quite clear neither of us were massively pleased with this series. Um, uh, I mean, it's it started like you say, it started strong. It started with like, oh, this is an interesting premise. I like what they did here. You know, the discovery writers are finally free from the constraints of oh, that's not canon. Oh, how are they going to get to the original series from there? Which is mainly coming from people like me. Um, but what they did, in, <laughs> what they did instead is create this weird new world which wasn't really well thought out and which kind of i don't know it just did seem to be inconsistent and a bit disparate like you know you're in a massive you're in space and the only organizations we heard about was the federation and the emerald chain i mean what happened to the klingons what happened to the romulans what happened to the dominion what happened to the cardassians the, you know it's kind of like you know and i suppose yeah maybe the whole series is for the lens of that one crew and they're not concerned about all the other stuff but it just seemed like the galaxy got i suppose the point was the galaxy got smaller because you couldn't move very far um but it just, I don't know, like, it was a very limited scope of what they interacted with. And also the burn, you know, spoilers for anyone that's not seen the season yet, but the burn was basically, they got to the future, some event happened, which we'll get to, that stopped every, well, blew up every ship of Dilithium in it. This is after Dilithium supplies were already running out. Yeah, and, I think um, specifically uh, made the Dilithium explode, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Which took a lot of ships with it. Yeah, so basically that stopped in, uh, interplanetary travel you know, for a lot of um, planets and organisations, because literally they've run out of Dalifium and all their ships have blown up and lots of people have died. Um, I don't know where I was going with this, Ron. Um, the burn... <laughs> How did I start with that? Sorry, I'm just... Uh, I've been fired I mean, up for this me, one. Let me... I'll, I'll come in on something. Um, so I think you mentioned about how, um, obviously, the, the burn and stuff has happened. So it, it kind of made this a post-apocalyptic uh, scenario yes. almost. Yes. Um, which was interesting because if you think about um, Star Trek, the Star Trek arc as a whole up to now, obviously starting out with the original series, you know, you got war with the Klingons and stuff. It was very Cold War. Um, then you moved on to the next generation. You know, the Klingons are now in the fold and stuff. And slowly but surely, they were basically they, every Star Trek series kind of followed that, you know, explore a new part of space, find more aliens, but ultimately kind of bring the aliens into the fold to some degree. You know, they were even halfway to doing it with the Borg you know with seven nine and stuff like that um but then so basically you'd think however many years in it what was this 800 years in the future they um, had to um you'd think right they had to do something to shake it up because otherwise everything's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and you know maybe some degree the federation needs to implode in upon itself something had to cause it and okay so you know it, it was an interest you know that's a, as good a thing as any what if we take warp travel out of the equation you know that is obviously a key part of uh, the galaxy of the star trek uh, infrastructure so yeah that's a perfectly good thing to try doing um it was just how they did it and and um <laughs> just uh, what they did with that world as well which kind of just didn't really make much sense yeah and yeah exactly it's kind of like it was a smart thing to do because otherwise it would have just been like the whole galaxy has been taken over by the federation and everyone's seen kumbaya uh, exactly. very happily you know so yeah they had to break it before they can sort of add any more drama into the world but yeah but i think the point i was getting to with my little run was by the end of this season spoilers 
they found a massive block of dilithium in the middle of a nebula and discovery because it's got its magical spore drive is managing to deliver it everywhere so it seems like the federation's going to get back to some not normality but you know it's back on the verge of you know oh people can fly around again so this basically disparate broken galaxy is now being repaired within one season and it's kind of like well you know all you right. did then was create this broken galaxy for the purpose of one season for the purpose of one arc of disembled chain as the, the villain of the arc and it just well, seemed- not only that, but the fact that, you know, everyone can travel anywhere as long as the Federation gives you dilithium. So, you know, we've kind of got a supremely powerful Federation all of a sudden, just in the hands of uh, the Admiral, I forget his name. Um, Vance. Admiral Vance, yeah, and who doesn't seem an entirely, you know, he seems like a decent guy, but he certainly doesn't seem an entirely unflawed character. You know, think back to, you know, would you trust Picard or Janeway to um to share that out fairly? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I'd trust Admiral Vance to. <laughs> but I think that's what I liked about his character. I mean, we've got characterization as a list later, but I think Devant's character has done really well. And I think it's acted really well. And I think, you know, he took this small role that they were given and kind of run with it and kind of created his own thing. Like, you know, not many people in Discovery, even in the core bridge crew that have been there for three years, had as much characterization as him. And like, like you say, it's kind of. You know, and also you get hints of it, like when they um, bumped into that Andorian, he's, he's talking about, oh, they used to tell us about the prison, uh, Federation internment camps as a, a, a thing to scare us as children. It's just like, oh, where's, where's that come from? So all of this stuff was kind of um, alluded to without actually being solved. So maybe it might turn out that now that they've got access to this Dunifrium, the, the Federation weren't 100% squeaky clean as they sort of progressed into the things and i think even the vulcans said the federation were kind of leaning on their major powers in order to prop up everyone else it sounds yeah. a bit like the eu to be fair yeah that's it because like you know the vulcan and or earth would be like the, the northern hemisphere sort of you know eu nations and the rest would be down the south like Beijing. um but yeah anyway it's kind of um yeah but uh, yeah anyway I, I suppose it could could lead to interesting challenge. Like, what's the what's the world going to look like if only the Federation can allow people to travel between planets? Because that's kind of what it was now, but it was the Emerald Chain doing it instead. Yeah. Um, the Emerald Chain being this criminal organisation, which is kind of we don't really know much about it apart from it was set up by the Orions, which were a bunch of gangsters in the original series in Enterprise times, um, and just absorbed other races. Were they just bright green humans then as well? Yeah, basically. I mean, they were they were green humans. I mean, in Enterprise, they kind of branched out a bit. Like they were just these big hulking guys of sort of, you know, like wrestler types. So they were really massive. And then the women would be the ones that are actually in control. But oh, you know, so were they the ones that Kirk had an orgy with at one point? Yeah, they were around slave girls. So yeah, it's basically, right. but they call them slave girls. But they use their pheromones to basically manipulate men into doing what they want. Um, and I think they even introduced him in the cage. That was one of the, the races they offered Pike as a mate or something. Oh, um, okay. Sorry, this is my little geek out. Um, but yeah, it's a. TOS was bonkers, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's because I, I think uh, I mean that's just I'll jump to one of the main gripes of this thing, which is the, the reason for the burn. Can we jump to this now? I don't know. We're going to yeah, go for these. it. Yeah. The reason for the burn is we find out that this Kelpian Federation ship that's looking for Dilithium happened to crash land on this Dilithium planet in the middle of a nebula. And uh, they left this hologram running to keep this kid that was born on the planet um, occupied whilst his parents all died. Um, And this kid, for some reason, has lived for 300 years. I don't know what the Kelpian lifespan is, but it's quite impressive. And uh, at one point, a few hundred years prior to Discovery turning up, he had an incident where he saw his mum die. 
he cried out in anguish. And because of his being born on this Dalithium planet, it created this magical force wave, shockwave that went across and killed, like blew up loads of ships and planets and killed loads of people. And um, when I was thinking about this originally, I was raging about it. Like, How bloody stupid is this? But when you think to the original series, you had um, Gary Mitchell, which was Kirk's best mate or whatever, when they flew through the, the barrier. This was the original pilot um, at the edge of the galaxy called Where No Man's Gone Before. They come back and he's got godlike powers. So it's kind of like, is it that? I mean, it's, it's stupid and it's crazy, but is it as stupid as crazy as some of the other plots we've seen? So, you know, I, I really hate it and it's a bit stupid, but I can kind of see how it kind of fits in with other people getting godlike abilities uh, yeah, in the past do, of Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose that was never actually explained, was it? The That um, Gary Mitchell's special powers. But um, and but in a way, maybe that was better if the I mean, going back to this thing about how the cert burn actually happened so before we did this i actually prepped to go and check on you know it's not the best uh source but see what wikipedia said actually happened oh yeah yeah uh, so the planet the away team find themselves inside a complex holographic simulation designed by the scientists to raise and protect the child which they've identified they scanned it and found it yeah. um they find the child suk out and discover that he was born he was born with biology adapted to the planet and radioactive nebula while the away team suffers from radiation poisoning so he was oh. born on the planet for whatever reason he doesn't he's not affected by the radiation obviously suk out is not prepared to deal with reality outside the simulation right okay so yeah, far yeah. so good now this next clause and when he becomes upset, he creates an energy surge similar to the burn. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously. Yeah, no, yeah, when you read it like that, it does sound preposterous. It's only because of the whole Gary Mitchell thing that I'm letting it. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's stupid. I think, like, how could the entire, like, you know, the planet and the galaxy as we know it get killed because one kid had a hissy fit, like, get destroyed because one kid had a hissy fit? It's kind of like, that is just go. It's just... You know, like they tease us with this mystery and like, oh, who's responsible? Was it the Ember of Chain that did it? Was it the Romulans that, that didn't even mention that? I mean, you'd think, wouldn't you? Was it the Vulcans that did it? Was it blah, 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 blah? Then it's like, no, it's a kid had a, had a tantrum and it blew up everyone. It's kind of like... I guess to, to some degree, if you're going to say, right, every particular material in, in the entire galaxy exploded at the same time or almost instantaneously because they managed to triangulate it, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, so... It had to be obviously there's nothing there's nothing remotely sensible that's going to cause that so they had to come up with something fairly ridiculous. But, um, but in Voyager they had like a um a thing called the Omega particle. I don't know if you heard about that and lots of people are speculating that burn was caused by that. But this is this thing which um yeah. I think Janeway basically hijacked Voyager and basically said we've got to go destroy the Omega particle. It's too yeah, dangerous. Yeah. Even every Federation captain yeah. has to destroy it when they see it. And because the pla the thing is, if that particle gets released into the environment, it will take out a whole sub sector worth of subspace. And it's just like why couldn't they just have a a, a, a major power dealing, you know, messing around with that? Maybe even the Federation messing around with that rather than a kid having a tantrum. But like you said, I suppose if you need a reason and you're not going to look to prize to wreck because they don't seem to do that with anything else. Um, just have a kid have a sissy fit and he has magical powers and it makes it all happen. Um, but it's OK because Gary Mitchell did it. And that's probably the only episode they saw. Um, yeah, I guess they want they obviously wanted to do something. to. They need to get Suru out of the way to um let Michael become the captain as well. So they had to have it be a Calpian so that Suru could her off, basically. And um. Yeah. yeah, I think that whole thing was a bit stupid as well. Sorry, I'm just gonna. This whole episode's gonna be a rant. I mean, you should be used to this by now. But like the fact that they beamed into this holographic simulation that looked like a horrific Gaudi painting or something. Um, yeah. 
and oh like you know oh, he's a kelpian that's the only reason he needs to be there he's a kelpian oh they took that away now he looks human oh that's a shame and it's kind of like it's, i mean it was nice to see him without makeup i mean i wish i hadn't now but it was nice to see him <laughs> it was without makeup fan service wasn't it yeah. yeah it was just kind of like it also like one of them was a bajoran how did they know what bajoran was i hadn't encountered them for, for, for like <laughs> 100 odd years but anyway unless they did a lot of homework when they were training up again um but yeah, and it's just like then Michael's just like, no, you've got to stay here because you're a Kelpian. We can't see it. I'm a Kelpian anyway. You could be a Kelpian. No, I'm bloody nose. <laughs> yeah. I'm the captain. Do as I told. Nope. Uh, you know, she decides she wants to be uh, a first officer again now or someone in power. And thus they give the ship to her because um, yeah. that's the way that this show works. Um, yeah, it basically seems every season up until Burnham sitting in the chair at the end of this episode was basically Burnham, the origin story or whatever, isn't it? It's kind of like. You know, now we've finished Burnham, the origin story. Hopefully next season we might actually get a proper Star Trek show where everything got well, time to shine, but I doubt it. Yeah. Well, um, this was going to be my point. You know, hopefully now that they've stopped trying to take the most torturous route to just get her in that sea, it can possibly be more like a traditional Trek show, you know, where the main character is the captain and the bridge crew. It's not just someone who isn't a captain trying to take centre stage. You know, I think that's my big hope for this which is that it does end up going that way now that now that they've got her where they obviously wanted her to be in the yeah. captain's seat let's see what happens now um you yeah. know let's have her have them being you know hopefully not just be a delivery a, a dilithium delivery service um <laughs> but have um, probably, discovery actually do stuff yeah they'll probably jump forward like a, a couple of years or something and then a book's race is by, book being her new boyfriend that she found yeah. she got over tyler a lot uh, very quickly but um yeah. but yeah book be, books race now being there like uh spore pilots or whatever so that, that race becomes important to the galaxy doesn't it so maybe there's a whole power shift there where you know oh, set race or was it he, it was just something to do with his genes i think i think they're a separate race it's just the same as you know like in um like the deltons they basically look human but they're bald you know i oh, think okay. he's like a whatever the hell they are but they have that magical glowing head when they need it um, to control animals uh, oh, I, did, I didn't get that that he wasn't human i thought he was like a mutated human or something i mean that's what i thought at first with this whole you know we're in post-apocalyptic maybe people are like enhanced like cyberpunk sort of you know they've, you know speaking of which them weird guns that materialize on people's hands cool but people can wrench them off straight away what's <laughs> the point um yeah. yeah sorry this is going to be one of those sort of butterfly episodes sort of but um shall we talk about favorite favorite scene or episode uh, before you do that, one thing on the whole Burnham being captain, and hopefully it won't okay. take the pressure away from everyone else. When, <laughs> yeah. when you think about it, she's a scientist. She was a science officer. She's going to be the captain of a ship. She, her past is science. Janeway, scientist, was a science officer, takes over the ship, very good at science. In every episode of Voyager, you don't see Janeway going, oh, I'd do it like this, or oh, I'll bugger out the way carry Kim. I'll do it. Don't worry. Or I've got to beam down to that planet because blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like... I don't know. A good captain delegates, isn't it? Or a good member of the team kind of knows their strengths and weaknesses, where she just seems to be some inhuman Mary Sue that can do everything. Um, yeah, and I think I think we are still. She is going to be still leading every away team and stuff. Um, unfortunately, yeah. um, but because yeah, you're right in Voyager and Next Gen and whatever. You know, Picard, Janeway, they did occasionally. Well, not occasionally. They did. They did uh, their fair share of beaming down, but they certainly didn't do it all the time. Yeah, and it was, uh, they basically knew, you know, like they could do things probably as well or better than some of their team, 
but they just let the team get on with it because that's their job and the captain's got more important things to do i mean maybe not more than data i mean data anyone could do you know data basically a bit better than most people but still um anyway favorite episodes i mean i'll let you hit me first because i've got really slim pickings so let's see what you say yeah so i actually did quite enjoy the um uh which one was it called it was called people of earth where they actually first made it back to um earth uh interesting enough directed by jonathan frakes so you know maybe there's something to do with that but um yeah i thought it was just interesting you know at that point i was i was 100 on board with this season i thought you know because we didn't know that the, the burn was going to turn out to be nonsense we didn't know that half it was to go at that point it was just like okay let's find out what's gone all the federation obvious first point to go to is earth and you get to earth and you find an isolationist planet who's not seen a federation ship for centuries um they've got their own problems they they do let them on earth you see you see earth as it was you know somehow the tree they all met under was still standing okay let's just accept that uh golden gate bridge was still standing fine i mean i, I don't think there's any 800 year old bridge in the world anywhere i don't um, think it's the same i think because that bridge got destroyed in the opinion more i think they just rebuild it every every couple of hundred years or every 50 years or something you know just to keep it it's a it's, it's a museum piece or whatever but anyway carry on. fair enough yeah we yeah. can accept that then um but yeah i just i just enjoyed that whole bit and you know it's sort of interesting having um having the dilithium pirates turn up and obviously he looked um he looked like an alien but it turned out he was the human colony on um on uh one of the moons of saturn that they just kind of forgotten about you know no one thought to check in with them which i did think was a bit weird and the fact they needed a federation captain to suggest oh why don't you try actually just like talking to each other oh yeah that's a good idea so even though um even though this was my favorite episode i'm already slagging it off um but yeah that was um that was um uh, that, that gave me the most bit of hope that they were going to tell some interesting stories in this um in this uh series um special mention to uh the action sequences in the final episode uh you know if you set aside the fact this is star trek's not necessarily about the action they were they were exciting to watch they were well choreographed it was cool seeing lots of spaceships capital ships flying about and shooting each other having the admiral go oh get them there full power or whatever um i know you hated it but burnham <laughs> jumping about on all the uh on all the uh lifts that was quite cool um yeah if you just wanted a bit of action that was a good bit of action i thought so yeah <laughs> cool i mean I, I was sort of people of earth it was going to be my favorite apart from the sort of scooby-doo bit at the end where they're like oh did you know they're actually humans after all and it's like oh yeah. <laughs> you know it's kind of that was a bit stupid and i think you know the fact that it took George, empress georgia who you know i liked until of you know three quarters of the way for the season um because basically she just said it as it is she's like oh god you know rippy's out of look he's a human and the thing that got me is i'm watching that episode and i'm just like there's a guy with a weird mask that lives within you know non-warp distance of earth why have we not seen these in all the years of star trek they're obviously humans so it's kind of like you know i kind of saw that twist coming it was sort of a bit obvious um but you know i liked the way it was delivered i mean a couple of things about that episode you know saru purposely puts himself between the raider ship and the earth ship yeah uh, discovery in previous episodes when it's put in risk the sphere data stops itself from going in any risk so why did the sphere data allow this one um but i suppose maybe yeah yeah that's a question i mean i i did like the fact that it was kind of hinting at this isolationist earth and like you know they they don't want any involvement of outsiders because of the fact that you know they want to keep safe and protected and blah 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 because i i say i like it but it's kind of reflective of the world 
it's sort of becoming now isn't it it's kind of like you know and maybe they did that episode and showed earth like that as this kind of um you know cautionary tale it's kind of like you know we at one minute we've part of this golden age this global alliance and the next minute oh yeah you just sit on your tod and scared of your neighbors it's kind of like you know uh, yeah i did also like the fact that they were just like you know oh great we're all together where do we go next first um you know you'd think some seasons would eke it out and go to earth eventually they're like no well let's go to earth and i'm like that was yeah. a really good move because yeah. you know every person watching the show would be like what's happening with earth what's happening with earth and then yeah. they show that it's just like oh no, that's cool um, and it uh, seems to be pretty much fine i mean they're still isolationists like we say but they're, they're coping okay which is kind of good to see yeah but what i did find interesting is like um does that well i suppose there was that tr- no she was the, the girl isn't a child is it she just happened to have the symbiont in her um, uh, yeah, her yeah. Boyfriend. was her boyfriend was Trill or something? Wasn't yeah, so. but they were from a Federation ship originally. Just happened to be on Earth. But I think the thing I was wondering is like, does that mean Earth chucked every alien out? Um, did they build a beautiful wall and uh, get rid of them all or something? Like, uh, it, it, did they become isolationist with the population that's in them, or have they become isolationist and got rid of people? Is it like Brexit from a Federation perspective, um, where you know if you're already housed, like they didn't really cover that one and kind of. You know, all the people you see in the screens and that were human. Um, so, yeah, it's because uh, that was a bit that would show a darker side of it. If like, oh, no, we don't want aliens here anymore. They're too risky. Let's get rid of them. You know, that, yeah. uh, and then you've got the Discovery crew going down and playing in Starfleet Academy and sort of like, oh, hold on a minute. Where's all the aliens? Why is everyone looking at us a bit funny? It's kind of yeah, like that, uh, would be, um, that would be a whole two or three si- episode arc, wouldn't it? Or even a whole season, maybe. But maybe they'll come back to that because that would be an interesting yeah. I don't think there's too many Brexit parallels because I don't think American showrunners give a toss about Brexit. No, but, <laughs> but maybe like the whole, you know, the isolationist agenda that uh, Trump was doing and stuff like that might, yeah, yeah. might have been a parallel. But so that was, yeah, like you said, that would be interesting to see him go back. And all these hints that the Federation were slightly darker than we we have perhaps seen so far. It'd be good if they touch on that. Um, there was an interesting bit where um, I can't remember what the the new non-trill trill person because they're not a girl. Era. Adira, that's it. Like when she's when she because she was basically a MacGuffin for the season, but she turns up. They eventually get her memory back and they go and see Vance. And Vance is just like, no matter what history we did have, you're just a new person to me. They mention yeah. that, and then like nothing ever happened of that. It's like, you know, that's that's juicy. That's interesting. What history did they have? At one point, I thought they might have been lovers, like her and the like him and the other old bloke that she used to be <laughs> yeah, the Federation yeah. bloke. That would have been interesting. Why didn't they touch on that? Uh, but anyway, going back to the positives, while I can, if I can, um, I think apart from People of Earth, which I think was a good thinking episode, it was the second episode. It's basically the only one without Burnham in it until the last minute, um, because it was just nice to see, you know, the crew on their own dealing with stuff without Michael. OK, they're referring to Michael a lot, but, you know, and they go out and they interact with people and they see like Space Negan come down um, trying yeah. to extort yeah. the Kelpians. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, and I, when, I, when they introduced him, I'm like, this is cool. He'd be a good character. It'd be interesting to see whether there's, you know, they do more of him. And basically, no, Giorgio kicks the, kicks his bum, chucks him out in the cold. And then later on, he becomes um, Emerald Chain Woman's lackey. Uh, yeah. that, that was a bit of a shame. They could have done more of that. But up until that yeah. point. Well, to be honest, I didn't actually like him as a character. And when he came back in the final couple of episodes, there's few people I've been less pleased to see in a TV show ever. I was like, oh, this guy again. Oh, no, I, I, 
I didn't think I didn't think he was brilliant. I, uh, I just think it was funny to see like a parallel to Negan from Walking Dead in Star <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trek. It was kind of like this, like you know, he's got a leather jacket, he's got a southern draw, he's got sort of like a beard and sort of greased back hair. What are they trying to do here? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's kind of and that was kind of just showing what the world was like. You know, there's these sort of small big men going around like strong arming like poor planets and stuff, and it's kind of like really sort of you know the other one the episode prior to that was like a lots of sort of oh running around shooting and it was just very limited oh they happened to be in iceland but apart from that you know not much in, of interest happened this one i don't know it just felt it was better to set the scene because i think after those two episodes where you see a few markets and you know dodgy people going on you sort of jump to earth then you jump to trill then you go to federation headquarters and then burnham goes off on a little uh, trip to a, a salvage yard to save book because why not um yeah, so you don't really well, see much, just, much well yeah because then they had discovery back with the spore drive didn't they so there wasn't all this going around to different areas was there so much it was literally just go straight to where you need to go teleport. yeah do not pass go do not collect 200 pound <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah and uh, uh, I don't know what I was trying to get is like those first two episodes kind of showed the galaxy and I, th- I would have liked to see more of them before they arrived back at Earth because I think they kind of cut that short. Uh, no, not at Earth, at Federation headquarters. I mean, I liked the fact that they showed it, but, you know, they could have done that a bit later in the season and showed us a bit more of the broken environment. Well, I think I think this possibly comes down to the fact that these days the TV series is 13 episodes long, whereas back in the day it used to be 24, didn't it? So, um. If they if it had been a 24 episode season, they probably would have spent more time doing that. But as it was, they had to really get cracking to move on with the story that they unfortunately wanted to tell. Well, it's it's actually an 11 episode long season if you cut out the uh, backdoor pilot for uh, Giorgio's show. And plus, or or nine episode season, if you consider last three episodes as one really long end episode. Um, So, yeah. Sorry, I'm just very bitter this episode. This this, um, (laughs) thing. Um, I mean, you can guess that most of my episodes were worst. I mean, what was your what stood out as your worst ones? I mean, look, it's, it's unfair to pick on a particular episode as the worst one when they're mostly so bad. So I'm going to pick on a couple of scenes which are pretty related. Um, there was this bit where I think Tilly was. Um, so Tilly said, are you still there? Yeah, yeah I'm still here. I'm just listening. Sorry, intently. Something beeped. Uh, <laughs> so there was this scene where Tilly said uh, was talking to i think it was someone from the emerald chain or something and she was like oh she was having uh you know banter with the opposing captain and like everything she said you had a shot of all the crew all the nameless crew looking at each other like <laughs> like giving each other wry looks oh good burn tilly a oh, nice one yeah. and it's like if, they, if you're not going to give us any characterization of those crew why do you force us? They, I think they literally went round each member of the crew twice to show them all smirking at each other. Do you yeah. remember this scene? Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, like a, basically a high school sort of, um, you know, oh, you know, the rest of the gang sort of nodding behind the, the ringleader or whatever. But, you know, the, exactly. the, the nameless goons. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like the, the dialogue you're writing isn't that clever to justify this. Um, so why are they doing that just annoyed me it was wasted screen time yeah and then the second bit which is kind of related is was in the final episode and you finally had the bridge crew actually doing something some degree they were crawling through the the tubes trying to get the bomb to wherever it was meant to be going or whatever and um obviously they all think they're going to die and the, one of them the final one gets to I, f- I forget her name um 
and she um she says oh i'm gonna go on and the robots help her to carry on she turns back and says i love you all and <laughs> i just thought oh my goodness this show has not earned that kind of mawkish stuff and you know what if the show had earned that mawkish scene it wouldn't have needed it so yeah it's so woke then, it yeah, you wouldn't imagine Generation or Voyager or even the original series. I don't think at any point they turned to each other and said, oh, I love you all. But mm. we knew they did because it had shown us. It hadn't told us. It didn't. Yeah. These, these characters who had barely had five lines between them, <laughs> um, we, we're suddenly expected to. Firstly, the, the show writers want us to know that they love each other. OK, but and all they can do to to make us know that is to literally have them say it because they can't show it because they've not had enough time to show it yeah uh, because these characters have just been complete back seats and now we're expected to care about them and think oh what a happy family they are i would love to feel that way about this bridge crew but they've not had the time to develop that yeah it's true they all show potential in the little moments they get to do something but they're so rare and few and far between like the fact we can't even name their names after however many seasons is a bit distressing really like you literally knew the next gen bridge crew within four episodes or something you know voyager bridge crew probably within one episode you know i'd watch the pilot and oh yeah harry kim and tom paris and blah blah blah. this you know who who are these people i don't know i don't it's not i don't care i want to care like you say but it just doesn't happen i mean we had a whole section on characterization but i thought this was a nice place to bring it in i mean it's good that they had a bit more exposure this season but still very limited um the only thing very big very really not much the only things we learned is one can hold a breath for a really long time and another <laughs> one can recover from post-traumatic stress disorder after one therapy session and that's it you know that's uh, that's a lot um and so, she's the only one i've even got a vague idea what her name is i think it's danvers but i know it isn't because that's captain marvel i know it just sounds a bit like danvers yeah so, so yeah and they're both pilots so it's, it's all right it's acceptable yeah um yeah i mean did you have any i mean this that was a good i, I like the fact you summarized things i'm probably going to go on a micro level you did a macro level of like you know they don't have good characterization and um you know, the whole smirking high school musical thing um anything else that you particularly detested or um, uh, you've got strong feelings about negatively um i mean i think the rest of it was all just very average um i think you know i've, I've covered the whole thing that the what caused the burn was nonsense um the the whole the whole side side mission of giorgio to the mirror universe we really don't care i mean obviously they're trying to set up their uh side project on the strength of those two episodes i will not be watching it yeah. um so you know that was just annoying that was two episodes that could have been spent doing i don't know what to be honest the writers of this show would probably have done something rubbish with them instead anyway Uh, so you know that was probably i think that gets a special mention of just rubbish um you know it's a sad farewell to Giorgio, who like you said was often one of the better characters in the show just because she kind of had that um had that snarky attitude that's missing otherwise that but you know every previous star trek series has had that snarky character um and now i guess i can't see who is going to fill that role in discovery now um given yeah. that hard anyone well i guess maybe stamets could do it stamets has got a little bit of that at times um but yeah, yeah. um yeah that's that's about it i mean the rest of it was average i think <laughs> the average yeah i mean it's interesting like all of my worst episodes or scenes kind of feed into what you're saying so like yeah i, I second the mirror universe two-parter 
it was gratuitous. And as you just mentioned in your previous thing, we don't know enough to make the main cast to really give a toss about the mirror versions. You know, oh, we see these people we don't know about in different costumes being slightly different. And the characterization is inconsistent in the main, main show anyway. So we don't know if this is different to them anyway. So it's kind of like, you know, who gives a toss? Um, so that was just a waste of two episodes that could have been used differently. Um, the reveal about the burn, we've said it's terrible. It's a bit silly. But one thing I was thinking is, you know, the woman from the Emerald Chain went for all that effort to get in a room with Admiral Vance and offer him a peace deal so they could bring peace to the galaxy and said, my scientists can work out spore technology so everyone can travel everywhere instantly. And Vance is like, great, I've got to try you because you're a war criminal. Yeah. This Kelpian guy blew up half the galaxy and set everyone back 300 years. Oh, he's got yeah, go come in, I'll go live there. So we'll look after you, <laughs> care in the community. And it's just like, for God's sake, you know, how hypocritical is that? So yeah, yeah. it's one rule for that. Oh, he's a Federation citizen and he didn't mean it. So it's all right. I mean, yeah, just some cursory acknowledgement of the fact that he was he caused genocide would have been nice. But, you know, that just glossed over. Um, going back to sort of Tilly's little snarky exchange with whatever the name's woman's name is the fact that she got the exo position in the first place is what the hell you know that epi- that whole thing was ridiculous i mean yeah saru I, that, that was saru's decision wasn't it i mean so, who who did he pass over for that role I'm no, I'm, no, I'm, nameless, nameless bridge nameless bridge crew and stamets stamets is obviously never gonna i i think in a way the fact is the writers really didn't have any other option i mean i think what was the um the security officer she might have done it but then she decided to just stay i think that was episode four or five she decided to stay in some other some greenhouse or something i don't know that was Um, a waste as well she was like she literally come from the enterprise to the to discovering you're like oh great and then she's like oh no i'm off i'm sorry um because i've met another one of my race Okay. She would have been the only. She would have been the only. I'm not saying Tilly was a good choice. I'm saying there was literally no one else the writers could have feasibly chosen, apart from maybe her if she would have stayed. No, uh, but I mean my point is that you know, even if it, the fact it was a skeleton crew that come through the portal into the future, which they all seem to be back to full capacity by you know episode four or whatever. Um, there is other, like the chain of command is, you go ensign, you go um, lieutenant, you go lieutenant commander, you go commander, you go captain. You know, you don't become XO unless you're a commander or a lieutenant commander. That is just makes sense because you've gone through it all. You've learned everything, blah, blah, blah. You're not going to be the second in command of a starship in charge of it when the captain's not there if you're just a bloody ensign. It's like saying ensign Kim. Jane was like, you know what, Chicote, don't like you anymore. Kim, you're my new XO. Yeah, yeah, solid. You're my XO. But you're going to still remain an instant because, you know, why not? I can't feel to promote you, uh, whatever. It, yeah, it, just, yeah. it, it just, A, it demeans Enks and Kim because that poor sod was an ensign for seven seasons. Yeah. It demeans every single XO that's ever happened from Spock to, to Riker to Chicote to uh, Major Kira to, to Paul. And to Paul, this is my, you know, you said there's no one on the crew they could have chose. Why didn't Vance turn around and say, yeah, you guys can fly around being lunatics. Well, I want one of my lot in there and I want them to keep an eye on Because that security chief woman kind of turned up on the bridge for one episode, nodded away and then left. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, this is all fine. Yeah, this is bonkers. I don't want any part of this. See you later. <laughs> she would have been like a great observer from Vance's perspective. And it would have been a good because they're meant to be these these beacons from the golden age of the Federation, which they're a bunch of reprobates. But still, you know, see, <laughs> yeah. 
seeing her perspective on that and seeing their perspective on a home, perhaps more authoritarian or more restrained version of Starfleet and the Federation would have been a nice of, you know, juxtaposition rather than, oh, let's just make the giggly, giggly one the the first officer. And then they have that scene where, um, you know, she tells Stamets, so oh, I'm considering the XL, I'm not sure. Then she goes down to speak to him later and all the bridge crew are like, yeah, say yes, say yes, say yes. And then like um, she's oh, like, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not sure. And then Burnham's like, yeah, you should say yes. And so, OK, I'll do what Michael tells me. And it's just like, you know, the reason they all said yes is because they've all got proper jobs to do and no one else. Ha- you know, it's literally <laughs> that one that one flies the ship. That one shoots things. That one looks and says what the bridge, uh, the, the shield status is. I don't know what that one does. Uh, that one used to be Aryan, but they took her makeup off. So she's just a human now. Um, and it's just... yeah, I didn't realise that until this season. When I looked her up. I thought, where the hell has she come from? Oh, yeah, she used to be the robot. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, we liked her as a cast member, but she couldn't be bothered to do the makeup all the time. But yeah, so, so, but, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, if they had like a, a, a Federation observer, that would have been quite handy. Um, another thing about this, my worst scene or whatever the, the last episode with the turbulists, I know you said that you could suspend your disbelief, but, you know, life has rules. There's physics, there's, you know, space, there's, you know, the, 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 the chasm that Book was fighting um, Space Negan in was bigger than the entirety of, like, the space within Discovery. It's kind of like it's it was yeah. equivalent of him fighting a turbolift in space dock. I mean, maybe that scene was intended originally to be on the Federation HQ. And then like, oh, no, the plot, we couldn't we couldn't make the rest of the set. So it's just pretend it's on Discovery or something. That would have made sense if it was on HQ. But, you know, you could be like, oh, I can hand wave that because it was a cool punch up. And he insulted the cat and then he threw him off because ha ha. Um, but the Star Trek prided itself on kind of a realistic portrayal of science. Okay, a lot of it's hokum, but they kind of had some logic behind it, like impulse engines work like this, warp engines work like that. You know, turbo lifts are basically lifts that go sideways and up and down, um, using shafts like normal lifts. Not They just fly through some intergalactic interspatial realm within decks, like the bloody TARDIS. Um, You know, and... while I was watching that, I was thinking, this doesn't feel quite right, but may, maybe ships are bigger than they look, I thought. But yeah, obviously you just you know that. Yeah, but if, if you look that. at no, but if you look at any episode where a character's standing looking out the window, you can see the yeah, scale of the ship. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean another thing about that episode was um you know, the whole diehard on a spaceship is cool, but yet once again Burnham is cast as the hero, so she's doing all the John McLean stuff. Um, and the bit where um, there's a, one of the goons who can't remember looking at the, the, the memorial of all the badges and she comes over and does, oh, yeah, you know, Kung Fu stuff of him. Why didn't she just do the Vulcan nerve punch? You know, but they needed to be stabbed in the leg. So she's sort of, you know, in, handicapped. So she, you know, she might have everyone else might have a chance against Michael Burnham, perhaps. Um, yeah. so it's, you know, that's the so only, that, way, only way it's a fair fight. In exactly. The, if, in it's basically like she's like Chuck Norris um, in space. Um, but yeah, so anyway, that was my little rant done. Um, sorry, but basically I hated all of it and they were particularly <laughs> particular reasons why I hated it. I mean, it had so much potential and they've just ruined it because of the bad writing, bad characterization, etc. I mean, characterization was our next thing. I mean, have you got anything else on there apart from what I've ranted on about? Um, I, not really. No, I think we've covered it. I, I do want to make sure we get to one point, which is uh, what would our captain catchphrase be? Um, so obviously I think we can, I assume you're going to agree with me that Let's Fly is rubbish. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. just because of its association with Burnham. And also, like, you know, yeah. Captain, should we raise shields? Let's fly. 
you know, Captain. Uh, they're, they're already flying as well, so yeah. it's nonsense. I mean, did you did you do some research for this bit? Because I was like trying to rack my brain for Captain catchphrases, and I uh, think. I mean, I, th- I think I think I'm pretty sure um in the uh, Kelvin verse, someone said punch it at some point. Yeah, it's punch which it. Which obviously some Star Wars thing. Uh, there was a you know engage and make engage, it so. make yeah. it so yeah. Um, what did you, Kirk used to say? Um, whatever the hell he wanted, I think. Uh, I think he said okay. take. He said take us out in generations, which was That's kind of right. a bit, bit dull. But yeah, Jane I mean, Way being, said, um, Jane Way said do it quite a lot so she was very to the point yeah <laughs> yeah well i'm not going to waste waste breaths on verbs and whatever just do it <laughs> do it yeah um yeah but yeah cisco didn't have one i think he just sort of you know yeah. it was just a he nice did it. Did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 stuff just happened yeah it was just it, a genteel it, conversation or just like you know someone's like captain we're gonna do this just a nod, you know, right, and get on with it. Um, but yeah, I, a Pike had a good one, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, like a new Pike. Um, right. I can't remember that. I was going to go- I'll Google it while you, you think of yours. But I didn't get a chance. I think it- I had an idea for one, but then I've kind of realised it sort of plagiarises Picard and it's probably not very good. But I'm sure you've given this a lot of um, thought. So, uh, I mean, my one kind of plagiarises, but it's from a complete, completely different show universe, and it's just bizarre, but it's lying someone said in a different show that has really stayed with me, I've thought about it, and in inordinate amount. Um, so there's in it's in the Walking Dead world beyond. There's two characters, and there's a, she's an older character and a younger character, and she's giving her advice. And at the end of their conversation, she says her last bit of advice, and then she says, well, that's my blow line. And she walks off, and I just thought, I'm not sure if that's a cool exit line or not. That's my blow line. And, yeah. and uh, I was trying to think what exactly it means. I guess, is it sort of like a weird understanding of let's blow this joint? Uh, anyway, I kind of thought that would kind of be a quite a cool captain catchphrase. So like, you know, you give the you give your crew a speech and then you end it. With, oh, you know, we've done a good job here today, crew. Uh, let's go off, you know, set destination to here. You know, let's go there and we're going to do this, that and the other. You did a really good job and onwards and upwards. And that's my blow line. And then they'll punch it there. And I don't know, I kind of thought, oh, that's, uh, <laughs> it amused me anyway. <laughs> um, I don't know what to say to that, really. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to go down as the most iconic one. Um, <laughs> or even, I think even bloody spin it or whatever Sarah was coming up with it would be better than that. Um, yeah, I don't I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some thought behind it, but you couldn't imagine that for many, co- like, you know, if they're like, uh, you know, they're about to leave Space Dock or whatever, you know, rather than engage or make it so, you know, Captain, ready to walk to thingy. That's my blow line. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, you yeah, yeah, you have to say it after something. That's the only thing that limits it a little bit. So okay. if they were like, Captain, let's warp, I'd be like, yeah, brilliant. Let's do it. And that's my blow line or good work good work in sin we all did a good job today and that's my blow line i guess there's only so many blow lines you can have yeah i mean it's and also kind of like you know uh, when it comes to janeway your brevity was key because you know typically being attacked by baddies you know to do it makes sense uh, you know yeah. if like you know captain you know should we raise the shields blah, blah, blah. yes you should raise the shields that's my blow line you know it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess it really works when we're heading somewhere, I suppose. And maybe maybe I'd just go with the Janeway do it as a backup. But yeah. Or just do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, think my yeah, one is just... make, make it happen. 
um it's probably not as good as make it so because it's another syllable but you know it's kind of it's it's to the point you know make it happen you know, yeah. but, and i suppose that's still not really moving is it but make it happen do it uh let's fl- i think let's fly was no hit it was pike's one i mean that's genius yeah. um, it sounds a bit like techno dance or something yeah beat. that'd be a good one drop the beat <laughs> oh dear um but let's fly they're all pretty bad, but they're all better than Let's Fly. Anything's, yeah, Let's Blow It or whatever it was. That's my blow line is better than uh, Let's Fly. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I wish I'd spent more time thinking about this bit because this was to be the, you know, uh, I mean, one, I'll try and think of something else in the background. But one thing I was going to say is like, you know, that random engineer woman that he found on an asteroid and yeah. that sort of turns up occasionally. I think she's like my worst character because like, she's got, She's just, like, they can't afford to have her in every episode because she's probably a famous comedian in America. Yes, yeah, she is. She is a famous comedian in America. So, yeah. yeah. But she just literally just turns up occasionally, has a little tete-a-tete with Stemmets, then disappears. And it's kind of like, you know, probably from seniority level, she would have been a better XO than Tilly. But because they can't afford her, she just rolls in, says something, leaves. It's like, you know, Guinan, famous comedian, but, you know, just turned up and be a bartender occasionally, not chief engineer. Oh, yeah, I'll just show up when I want to. But you now, otherwise, Stamets can answer those sort of questions. Um, but, yeah. I mean, maybe she'll, she'll fulfill that snarky role that Giorgio's left a bit more. But then it's her and Stamets just being snarky to each other all the time. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah no. uh, I don't know. But, oh, that gets me. Sorry. I, this was my big rant, uh, which, sorry, I, 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 on top of all the others. Big, well. <laughs> So, I mean, this is just my thing, but like, you know, they introduced Adira and they made a big thing before this season about how they've got their Star Trek's first trans character, which is wrong because Jazia Dax was. Um, okay. they introduced... I missed this. I missed this beforehand, but. Yeah, but no, it was basically I, I, it's a big thing. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's speculating, blah, blah, blah. So they introduced Adira. Great. Um, Adira eventually tells um, Stamets that, you know, I'm not a she or, a, you know, her, I'm a them or a me or whatever. But basically, after being introduced, all Adira ever did was stand around in Stamets lab talking to Stamets and Dr. Colbert. And I thought that was such an underuse of that character. Literally, she was just sitting on her own talking to them two. And it's like, so you introduce a trans character and all they do is hang out with the two gay guys and the thing. What is that saying about inclusivity and diversity? It's just it just totally goes against what they're trying to say. And, I, you know, it's just kind of a Star Trek. It should be more inclusive than that. They're in originally the 23rd century now the 30th century or whatever and b the television show nowadays should be about that it just seemed like that she was so pigeonholed and i know no no character got development but why make this big song and dance about your first trans character and then just have them like oh yeah we're sort of a surrogate daughter in brackets i don't know what it's to say to these two gay guys and then that's that's literally my social circle that's all it's about it's like so you have inclusion but as long as they're in this little group here and it, it just felt a bit wrong to me um, yeah, especially after the first, I think it was, so she was introduced in People of Earth and in episode four she uh, did the whole uh, lake thing, thrill yeah. or whatever. Um, and then I thought after that she was going to be a fairly main character, but then you're right, she just pretty much disappeared and she was a bit of a, obviously a super whiz engineer, which is fine. Um, but yeah, they didn't actually use her at all after that. And it's, it's the same fate as the rest of the bridge crew. You just get these characters that just aren't, don't get any development because it's a short season and what the short season is largely focused on Burnham or on backdoor pilots. Yeah. But she was literally a MacGuffin to get them to Starfleet headquarters. And once that job was done, 
just floated around talking stomachs and you know, pining over a dead boyfriend. Uh, sorry, dead partner. And it was just like, mm, you know, I mean, maybe they'll expand. Maybe they'll give him more room. Probably not. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's so uh, much stuff they need to fill on in on this next season, but they just not not they're not going to have time. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, you know, it would be interesting to see what the other Space Empires are up to next season and, um, you know, just make it more of an ensemble piece and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I, that's what I'd want to see, like, from next season. I, I think that the new time period is good because it gives them flexibility, but they need to make the most of that. Um, and they do have a good cast, they just need to make more of them. The thing is, I think you'd, I certainly feel, and, you'd, and I wonder if you'll agree with me, that on like Next Generation or Voyager, I'll keep coming back to those shows because for me, those are the, those are the real core Trek shows for me. I feel like original series is a bit too campy. And you, and and you did like, watch Deep Space Nine. And Deep Space Nine, you're not actually trekking anywhere, so it's not True. Star Trek. Um, and then Enterprise is just a prequel, so it's boring. Um, so Next Gen or Voyager the most memorable episodes were the ones where they were just where they were just messing about in the um in the holodeck or when they were <laughs> you know having a big philosophical debate about the nature of data or the nature of seven of nine and the fact yeah you know, they weren't ever actually they you'd never even necessarily see the exterior of the ship at all or another off ship location and those are always the most memorable episodes for me and i'll tell you what that an episode like that will never happen on star trek discovery because they haven't well, got them in their schedule no, they tried it. They tried it with their unification part three with um, Burnham on trial for the Federation's part in the burn or whatever, or, or like to try and get evidence. But it just turned into an introspective about Bernard's, Burnham's midlife crisis and her mummy issues. Um, so it's, you know, like you say, you wouldn't get a genius piece like that, but they'd, they'd attempt it just very badly. Um, yeah, no, I don't think that really, because you still showed them going to the planet and stuff and all nonsense like that. I don't know, but well, yeah. I don't it, didn't feel like it quite fit but yeah I'd, yeah that's what i think and you just yeah. never get those are those are the bits that i always remember from yeah it was like measure of a band where data's humanity was put on trial and the one with moriarty um and stuff yeah, like that exactly. yeah uh, yeah it's, uh, i think strange new worlds with um pike and co is going to be more episodic so maybe they might have potential for that but knowing them they'll stick an underlying arc in there somewhere um and we've got to get to know a whole new bridge crew again maybe that will be rubbish again or they just won't get any time or yeah yeah so that's, um, that's gonna have pike and spock on it isn't it and and number one who's i think her name's now una they've officially made right. so literally she is number one um but yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing i was a bit curious about is you know they introduced clive or whatever the guardian of forever well, yeah say, i don't want to know what you thought about that because obviously he's classic trek isn't he so uh, i think it was just interesting to think that the guardian forever is conscious and can move around i thought that was a bit yeah. bizarre but you know why not um but the fact that they made such a big thing about being him being a, a humanoid type character having a dialogue with them and he can disguise the door as whatever the hell he likes makes you think is this going to be part of Giorgio's series you know she's going to go through space and time travels using the guardian of forever um you know that would be sort of interesting because otherwise wife go through an effort to develop this character that's not going to happen um yeah but i i didn't see a problem with it i thought it was a cool use of the thing and i like the fact he was like during the temporal cold war everyone tried to use me to sort of um you know break time so i had to go incognito as it were um yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, you know, I think it was better than it being Q or something like that. It was kind of like, well, oh, fair enough. Um, yeah. Interesting yeah. shout back to Star Trek Legacy. Yeah, so they probably did watch that episode as well. Um, cool. Um, I, don't, I think I could carry on ranting for another hour, but we want to keep this short for people's commute yeah. in brackets. Yeah, um, as if I'm still commuting, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
cool. Yeah, cool. Um, well, yeah, I, let's see what um what season four brings. I think, you know, future episodes, I think we're going to do Mandalorian season two at some point and yeah. see what else comes out. Um, so yeah, thanks for um thanks for joining me, Stu. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Time to lock down this bad boy. And you know what? That's my blow line. Oh, I was going to say that. <laughs> Make it no, happen. It's my blowline. <laughs> yeah. uh, are, are you sure you can push the stop button or does Bernard have to do it for you? Do it. Do it. Oh, God. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>